Welcome to the Endurance Horse Podcast, where endurance riders from all across the globe gather, sharing their stories, goals, and progress as they train for and compete in endurance events at every level. So kick off your shoes, pull up a chair, and listen as we gather around the virtual campfire and listen to friends from across the world. Hello, and welcome to episode 57 of Endurance Horse Podcast. Today on Endurance Horse Podcast, I have the pleasure of chatting with lifelong endurance rider Cameron Holzer. Cameron has been involved with horses and endurance since a very young age. Cameron has 14,000 lifetime endurance miles and has represented the USA at the 2018 World Equestrian Games. This year, Cameron and her homebred mare, CH Fancy Finesse, made it into the top five finish at Tevis 2022, placing fifth. Such an amazing accomplishment to have bred, raised, trained, and competed on a horse that was once just a dream and now is an idea come to life. Without further ado, I welcome you to episode 57 of Endurance Horse Podcast. Hey, Christina, how are you? I'm good. Hi, Cameron. How are you doing? I'm good. Got home yesterday. (laughs) (laughs) That's a long drive, right? You have to drive back to Houston? Yes. So I'm going to ask you some of the same questions. These tend to be some of the people's favorite questions to hear about riders is, how did you get into horses? Uh, When I was little, I just loved horses. My mom started taking me out to the barn and... Uh, she would just set me on the horses, and I would ride around, and then um, I started getting lessons, uh, and then I did my first horse show when I was five. I showed, I did like hunter jumper stuff for a few years, and then uh, I started doing endurance when I was 10. Was your mom also a rider? Yeah, she grew up with horses, um, and then she wasn't around them for a while, and then after she had me and my brother, that's when she started taking us out to the barn and stuff, so she started riding again also. That's awesome. How did you find out about endurance? Uh, no, so we didn't own any horses. I did. I showed ponies at this hunter-jumper barn. My mom and dad found out about Daryl and Butler through somebody, and so they went out and went on a trail ride with her. And then uh, the next time they went out there, they took me out there. They were like, oh, my daughter's going to love this. <laughs> <laughs> and they were right. You yeah. Did. You did love it. So I imagine that's probably also how you found out about the 100-mile distance. How did that become the distance um, of your choice, or is it the distance of your choice? It's definitely the distance I like to do the most. Um, So I did my first year in endurance, because we started with Daryl, and she already had horses that were up and going. So my first year in endurance, I rode a horse that was already seasoned, and um, I did 400s on him, and... um, I knew then, you know, that I really, really liked. Do you know about how old you were when you started riding 100? I did my first 400s when I was 10. When you were 10. Wow. So, yeah, yeah. that's that's pretty amazing. That's quite a feat to have done at 10 years old. That's amazing. Yes, I um, and I completed the Old Dominion 100 when I was 10. Also, I believe I'm still the youngest person who have ever completed the Old Dominion 100. That's a great record to have. That's pretty amazing. So you have, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but you have over 14,000 AERC miles? Um, I would need to look it up, but yes, I do have a lot. And, you know, just to let the listeners get to know you a little bit better. Um, so you were also a part of the World Equestrian Game team in 2018, but unfortunately that ride got canceled. But what 
was that like for you to try to qualify for that? Imagine that was a dream come true. And then, you know, unfortunately to have it end like that by having them cancel the endurance ride. Well, the ride happened. We did like, mm. I think I did like 85 miles of it before they canceled it. So it was still like I got to do the whole thing. So it was yeah. very fun for me. I loved it. It was awesome. Um, I wish that Yusef would get their act together because, like, I would never, because of how poorly I was treated there mm-hmm. by Yusef, by uh, the chef to keep and all the people involved, I would never ride FBI again because of that. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it really is a shame because I do have fantastic horses that are would love to represent the United States, but it's just really political trying to ride. FEI and they were really awful to me so I enjoyed it because it had been a dream of mine so I'm happy that I got to do it everything I read about it it was that it was quite a um I mean you would you would be able to phrase it better than I did but it was full of confusion and not quite running smooth as it should have been yeah they just pick whoever they want they don't pick based on the horse's records which now they've kind of tried to change that but it still isn't a great system because people can just host a bunch of rides and then they can charge a $2,000 entry fee. So nobody can enter the ride with themselves, you know? Mm-hmm. So uh, people are still finding ways around the newer system and, um, and there's really nothing that they can do about that. Mm-hmm. And it's like, unless you're insanely wealthy and you can spend mm-hmm. any amount of money on a ride entry, then you just, it doesn't make it affordable for the average person. So what do you think they could do to fix it? I mean, should it be lifetime miles of the horse or some kind of points? Or what What do you think would help to fix that? It would be nice if they looked at the AERC record of the horse because that is something that anybody can go out and do AERC rides. That is not as expensive. That would be nice if AERC rides oh. were included. And I, I mean, I do feel like they should look at the races for the past two years, mm-hmm. but also look at the whole body of the body of work that the horse has done i'm i'm surprised that they don't i'm surprised to hear that they don't consider the arc record because that would be a pretty complete record in most cases yes yeah if they would only if they would look at arc that would definitely be very helpful (laughs) (laughs) so i had a few questions for you about training and your tevis journey so you live in texas and do you have a lot of hills to train on there and i was wondering if you don't how do you train your horse for the altitude gain and the altitude loss you know you ended up top five there so i think you know what you're doing so we would love to have some tips from you yeah so i live in houston there is no hills here in houston the only hill training my horses get is and i had three horses complete i had i owned fifth place sixth place and the horse that finished 14th place also. And my horse that got 6th and my horse that got 14th, Kong and Maggie, that was both of their third Tevis completion. They are on their way towards the 5 to get on the trophy. They, for conditioning, I just, I keep them very fit. And my horses are used to, I always ride them in rides here in Texas, up in the front. So my horses are used to their heart rate getting high. They're used to breathing hard. They're used to working hard. Mm-hmm. So I feel like that translates to no matter where I take them. I do try to take them to hilly races like this year and last year. I took them to Tennessee's race in Colorado. Last year, my mom got third place on her horse, finished sixth this year. We did Spanish Peaks, and then it went out to Tevis, and my mom got third. We did the same thing this year, went out to Spanish Peaks. I rode all four of my horses out there. Then three of those four horses that I rode at Spanish Peaks went on and did Tevis fifth, sixth, and 14th. The only conditioning they get for hills is when I take them somewhere. So you're more uh, along the line of the heart rate training? 
than mileage for the week? Or, or what would a typical bringing a horse up from, say, 50s to 100, what would that look like for you? I train them the same as for 50s as I do for 100s. My training is no different. I do two short rides a week and then one longer ride a week. Can you share with us about your, your Tevis 2022 and how that went um, for you out on the trail this year? Yes. Yeah. So I was riding a homebred mare that this was her first hundred and she's very young. I really like since this horse was three and I started her under saddle, I like couldn't wait to take her to Tevis. <laughs> I knew immediately when I started her that she was going to be capable of winning Tevis, and I do think that she will win Tevis in the future. Mm-hmm. She is a very, very awesome horse. She has amazing natural endurance and very strong legs. So I really wanted to ride one of my other, well, I, I just, I wasn't really sure who I wanted to ride. And then I got out there and then uh, somebody wanted to lease one of my horses. So he got leased. And then um, another one of my friends wanted to ride another one of my horses that he had ridden her in her first Tevis, John Stevens with uh, Maggie and then I was like I'm gonna ride finesse so I rode her and I was just gonna take it easy with her and kind of go through with Kong and his rider to see how she does but then it was very evident once we got into the canyons that finesse was I was really holding her back I was having to do a lot of walking Kong is not as fast downhill he's very very good uphill but he's not as fast downhill and Vanessa is very fast downhill. So at Chicken Hawk, we decided to split off. The rider riding Kong wanted to slow down. I wanted to speed up. So then I sped up. And after Forest Hill, I caught up with my other horse, Maggie, that John Stevens was riding. Uh, rode together with him for a little bit until Lower Quarry. And then he was just taking a little bit longer at the vetting. So then I just went on and went out. And then I caught up with Heather Reynolds and just came on into the finish with her. But, mm-hmm. yeah, my horse, she was very strong all day. I was very, very proud of her. She competed just like I always knew she would, you know. But it's there still, you're like, is she going to really do great? <laughs> yeah, she did amazing. So her name is uh, CH Fancy Finesse, correct? Yes. And you bred her. Yeah. What were the bloodlines you picked? So I have this mare, uh, Pocket Rocket, that I've had. I bought her when she was five, and it's funny. I, I sold her a few times, and she always keeps coming back to me. I always, <laughs> you know, tell people, like, this is an outstanding producing mare, and it's like nobody believes me, you know? So it's like, they're like, oh, no, we don't want her. It's like, okay, well, that's your loss. I'll take her back then. <laughs> and who did you pick for the sire? Uh, Pocket Rocket is French bred. She's mostly three-quarter French, one-quarter Polish. Uh, the sire was the stallion, is a stallion named K.S. Tribute. He is in Colombia. I bought his frozen semen from Kong's breeder, Donna Koss. Mm-hmm. So when Kong was doing so good, you know, Kong is now, he's turning 13 next month. I was like, I want to breed another Shaggy. I really mm-hmm. like Kong. Kong is very, very tough, and his record is just unbelievable. So I contacted his breeder, and she was like, I don't have any, you know, frozen semen from his star, but I do have frozen semen from this other stallion that I imported with Dante that I like a lot, KS Tribute. So I bought frozen semen from her. I bred her, bred that semen with my favorite mare, Pocket Rocket, and um, got finesse. So, and then this year I actually have a full sister to finesse for. And after finesse did her <laughs> first 25, um, it was evident she was going to be a champion. So I went on and bred and bought more frozen semen and bred another one. So I actually have a finesse, a full sister to finesse that's four months old right now. Oh, cute. Um, 
she, so because of my love for Kong, that's why I bred her. And it's amazing that she turned out to be just as impressive and amazing. I mean, that rarely does that actually happen. <laughs> yeah. So that's a good thing. That's a good thing you, you got that done. Yeah. So con- considering how well you did this year with top five, could you um, share some hauling tips? Because you hauled quite a long distance um, just to get to Tevis and in some pretty hot weather. So could you share with us just that transportation part of what do you do to keep your horse hydrated and get them acclimated to, to a new environment when you're hauling long distance? So my horses, I haul them all over the country all the time. I mean, I go to Tennessee. I take them to South Carolina. I'll go to Florida. I go to California, Colorado. I mean, I I haul them all over the place. They're pretty used to that. I did go up to Colorado, and I was at Colorado, I guess, for about 10 days Mm -hmm. doing Tennessee's race. Mm -hmm. Then I went from Colorado to Utah, spent the night at some families, at a family's place there, and then went from Utah to California, and then I stayed with John and Diane Stevens. Um, When I'm hauling, I stopped two times during the day to offer the horses water. If they aren't drinking, I'll offer them clean water first, and then I'll offer them, like, I'll put some feed in it and make it kind of like a soupy Mm -hmm. water, and then I'll offer them that. Okay. And I do that twice during each day when I'm traveling. And then I try to, I feel like I got pretty lucky with with weather. I also do think it's important to get out there early. This year I was out there the earliest I've ever been. I think I was out there three weeks or two and a half weeks early this year. I Last year I just did one week early and it was fine. But you just want to make sure. Last year what I didn't like was I went to Colorado, I went home, and then I went back out to California. And mm-hmm. then I ended up not starting because my horse was really skinny from too much hauling around. Mm-hmm. So I do think that it's important. If you are going to do a race close to Tevis, like I did with Colorado, you just go straight out there if it's on the way and not make your horse do more hauling because, yeah, the haul from Houston to Tevis, right before Tevis, is brutal heat. Um, I feel like I got really lucky this year because I just went from Colorado and I went north and then I cut across, so I didn't feel like I had to deal with such crazy heat because I was further north. Mm -hmm. Um, But it is doable. But I do take the northern route from Houston, like the Albuquerque route. I don't go I-10. I feel like Mm -hmm. I-10 would be too hot. For sure. Pretty lucky driving home. Yesterday was only my last day with uh, heat. That's good. That's good. Can you share with us some of your most memorable moments from this year's Tavis or any tips about getting to those cutoff points and making sure, like if you have some tactical tips for the canyons, do do you um, get down and, and run them or what do you do? So I get off and I jog the steep downhills and then I'll start walking up and I'll go up as much as I can tailing. And then when I get tired, I'll get back on. I did not have to do as much running with finesse as I typically do with Kong when I ride him. My favorite part of Tevis, I love doing Cougar Rock with finesse. That was really fun. I love getting to ride with Kong. So Kong, I'm the only rider that's ever ridden Kong up until Tevis. This Swedish rider, Caroline, came over and rode him, and she did a fantastic job. And uh, it was really fun getting to ride with Kong on finesse. That was amazing for me because it's like because of my love for him, I made her, you know, so mm-hmm. uh, that was very, very special. And then I also got to caught, catch up with Maggie and ride with her. So <laughs> that was really, really fun. And also getting to finish with Heather Reynolds was really cool too. You know, I might have to, like de- a icon. I, 
I might have to just put um, this episode up next. I had another one pre-recorded to edit and put up this weekend, but I might have to do this one next because the last episode we did was Heather Reynolds. So this might oh, fit, okay. fit together nicely. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Did you have any other questions sure. about the canyons? Did I answer the questions? Yeah. Or if there's any other part of the trail that you wanted to share about, I know a lot of people are, I am intimidated by riding at night. Um, so I, I kind of was wondering, how do you cope with that? It doesn't bother me. I've been doing endurance so long, riding at night. I only did 15 miles at night, just from Francisco to the finish. So, mm-hmm. um, that, it wasn't bad. <laughs> so ride faster so you don't have to ride at night, maybe. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, that's the thing. Yeah, so like when you were asking me about the cutoff, I always ride fast, so I never worry about cutoff. Yeah. Well, you got to have, yeah, the horse for it um, to make it that way. I, I was wondering, aside from Tevis, what is your other favorite, like, ride that you go to on a regular basis? Um, maybe it is, you know, Spanish Peaks or if there's something. I love Spanish Peaks. Yeah. So last year was my first year to go, but I absolutely love it. And I would, I want to do it every year. It's a beautiful race. Yeah, with a great hostess, right? Yes. Yeah, she does a fantastic job. Is there anything else about your Tevis journey this year that you'd want to share? It was a real dream come true getting to finish, having two horses finish in the top 10. That was amazing. And then uh, getting to show for the Hagen, which I showed my mom's horse last year, but getting to show my own horse and having to be one I bred, it was just very, very, very special. Something I've always wanted, Getting that, finally getting that top 10. Because I was 11th in 2019, which was my last Tevis. So it's nice to get up there and it's nice to really feel like you're on a rocket when you leave Forest Hill. (laughs) (laughs) Do you have any parting advice for our listeners about conditioning? Um, We have quite the range of of listeners and people that have been on the podcast everywhere from, you know, Tevis winners to people who are just starting out at intro rides. So maybe you could give some advice to those people who are listening that might just be starting out with distance riding and they want to know the best way to start conditioning up their horse like you already mentioned that you do three days a week so they get a, probably a day off in between um what does your typical if you're starting out a new horse what does your typical week look like for that first couple months if i'm starting out a new horse i just take him out there and just kind of do a lot of slow trotting a lot of slow trotting slow trotting for maybe four to six months and then I'll start upping them and add in a little bit of cantering. Make sure you take your time with them. So do a couple, like I recommend doing at least a full season, preferably two of 50s. Um, but like if they're, if you're, if you're trying to get to Tevis, I like for them to have two seasons. So some people like to do 25s and that's fine. If you go out, if you're doing a bunch of 25s, you know, that still counts. That's still building a base and getting distance on them. So like a season of 25s, a season of 50s or two seasons of 50s, but you do want to get, they do need to be a seasoned horse and have strong legs because at Tevis, they are going to feel uncomfortable. And so that's why I recommend people that are trying to go out to do Tevis, like try to ride some rides, finish some 50s in the top 10. So your Mm -hmm. horse gets a feeling of going a little faster because a lot of people in the Texas area just like to ride slow and that's fine. But like, then you take them out to California and the horse actually starts breathing up at that elevation and the horse doesn't, he's not used to that feeling. So then the horse gets uncomfortable and then the horse might go metabolic. So it's definitely good. If you have hills, fantastic. But if you don't, your horse needs to be going a little bit faster so that when they get out there to the altitude, they're used to that 
heavy breathing, working hard. So, and you just can do that. Like if you want to do Tevis, that just some races leading up to it that season before. Try to go a little bit faster and see how your horse does. Try to get him up there in the top ten, and um, I think that you'll have some good luck if your horse is consistently finishing in the top ten easily. Then you you can go out there and finish Tevis. But just to emphasize again, because I don't want anybody to miss over what you said at first, which was you know four to six months of slow work. And then, yeah, before you take them to a race, yes. And then two seasons of competing before you yes. start going fast. Because I, I feel responsible for the <laughs> advice given on here because I don't want somebody to go, oh, yeah, train fast. And they didn't remember that you just said go slow for four to six months and then yes. compete. So, um, And I'm just like, you just want to kind of go fast just the season before Tevis. So that by then your horse would have had the four to six months of slow riding a season and a half of slower riding, and then you pick up the pace, you know, mm-hmm. just right before you want to go do Tevis. So that they've got that heart rate conditioning already yes. up there, and they don't get to that high altitude with uphills, downhills, and then feeling that uncomfortable strain on their heart. Well, Cameron, is a pleasure talking to you, and we would love to have you back on Endurance Horse Podcast anytime what is your next ride coming up um i kind of just go race to race like i hadn't even decided i was going to do tevis until after i did spanish peaks because i just i'm very much all about the horse i want my horses to come out of the race in perfect shape before i commit to the next race so Mm -hmm. um i just got home last night from tevis so there's probably a race and uh there's a race here armadillo i guess it's going to be the national championship next year Mm -hmm. um that's here in texas in october i'll probably Uh, ride my mare that didn't do Tevis summer I'll probably maybe ride her in 100 there great well good luck and um, we hope you have a good rest of your season thank you thanks so much we enjoyed having you along for the ride endurance horse podcast is where you get to share your adventures of riding good horses through beautiful country many stresses in life are washed away by a good gallop a steady trot or by simply saddling up your favorite horse for an easy ride remember every mile a memory